Generating traffic and sales can be a challenge for online merchants. But selling on the Walmart marketplace puts your products in front of millions of customers who shop on walmart.com. And right now, sellers who join Walmart Marketplace can save up to 50% on referral and fulfillment fees for the first 90 days. So get started today. Head over to marketplace.walmart.com savings. That's marketplace.walmart.com savings. Today's podcast is sponsored by SLI Systems, providers of intelligent site search and navigation solutions. Learn more at sli-systems.com and listen to their interviews at ecommercepodcast.com. Your path to e-commerce success starts right here. You're listening to Practical E-commerce, the podcast for e-commerce results. Welcome to another edition of Practical E-Commerce Podcast. I'm Mitch Bettis, the contributing editor for the magazine. Today, staff writer Michael Cox continues his discussion with Peapod's co-founder, Thomas Parkinson. Mr. Parkinson, in this second part of a two-part interview, talks about surviving the dot-com bust and life after those early days as one of e-commerce's pioneers as well as talks about what it has taken for them to both survive and succeed in a very competitive online market space. It's a terrific culmination of a two-part interview, so I think you'll like it. I'll turn it over now to Michael Cox and Thomas Parkinson. And at what point did you you guys make the decision to go public? 97. That was 97. Okay, okay. So you, so you went public kind of after the after the dot com crash thing then. No, the dot com crash happened two thousand. Was it that was it that late? I was thinking. Was yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because oh, believe me, I know because we. If you go back and look at the history, there were three companies that um, crashed. We were one of them. It was uh, Pet oh. um, Doctor Coops, and Peapod. And what happened to us is we had. We had, we, we had struggled through the reinvention of the company, okay. and we had warehouses, and now we wanted to stamp them out. And so we hired the CEO. This very, you know, the board said, we need a rock and roll CEO. We need, you know, because this was still now, the Internet was just out of control. Everybody was just like, right. these yeah. CEOs were flying, and we need a rock and roll CEO. So we hired this guy, and we were, we were closing on $120 million in financing, and he got sick on the day of closing. And so they pulled the financing, and you know, my brother and I suddenly left alone trying to figure out what the heck are we going to do. And he wow. said, Thomas, you worry about the people, I'll find the money. And so what happened was we negotiated a deal with Ahold, who we were already in a partnership with Stop and Shop on the East Coast, and we pitched them to purchase us, and that's what happened. So we were saved in the final hours. I mean, now it's been a great thing because yeah. the pressure of being public was completely gone, and we just focused on our business again, and we're huge. <laughs> so, so now, is that where the ownership of the company rests today? Yes. Okay. I mean, obviously, you guys were, well, you're pioneers in the sense that you took orders and, and fulfilled them from remote customers. You're sort of going back to the days of when uh, when the corner grocery store used to deliver 
groceries anyway. Right. And right. I, I'm curious if if in in that middle America market where you are, if if that wasn't maybe one of the reasons for your success is that is that people did really like the idea of having the groceries delivered again? Um, I to be honest, I think that was an old traditional kind of thing. What it is what it was when we started was in completely time starved couples. Time-starved couples, okay. Yeah, I mean, people that just, you know, I did a lot of deliveries because, you know, for the first three years I was a driver. I would code during the day and drive at night. Wow. And and I was surprised. You know, what what really struck me is it was not rich people ordering from Peapod. It was working people. We were we were hitting the middle class, which was really interesting, and which was good news for us. How did you arrive at that demographic? Was that a trial and error thing, or had you kind of thought maybe that's where the market was? We didn't even have money to be sophisticated like that in the beginning. So what we did was Jewel allowed us to go on whenever we wanted and hand out brochures for Peapot to anybody that walked in the door. Oh, okay. And I wore like a Peapot outfit. My brother had to wear it. We both wore this Peapot outfit to, you know, get attention. The, the Fruit of the Loom twins. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we also went to places like CompUSA. They, they let us hand out brochures. So And I made these, you know, demo booths so you could quickly set them up and, it was, you know, we were, the problem was is that not only were we were selling the service, but we also had to educate people on, like, what are we talking about here? Okay. So I did probably, I bet I did 500 modem installations. You you actually went and did them yourself? Yeah. Wow. Just, you know, That's pretty heavy customer service. Yeah, but it was the only way because, you know, the, people would buy these internal modems and they just couldn't get them to work. Right. And so I just... They'd call Peapod asking for tech support, and of course, you know, we were service oriented. I'd say, "I'll be there," and if and if we were in a local area, you know, so I'd say, "I'll be there in ten minutes." <laughs> that was back in the days of having to know what the IRQ was and all of that. Stuff. Absolutely, oh, man, the little, the little things that you're putting on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I was really good at AT commands, which is you know talking to the modem. Yeah. When uh, one of the one of the things that I like to ask people like like yourself who. A bit, you know, you bootstrapped it right from the beginning. There are a lot of people who who look at people like you and look at other successful companies, and they and they look at it and go, "Oh, they've made it. They're on they're on autopilot now." And is it your thought that that you're never on autopilot, no matter how successful you get? Never, never on autopilot. We are constantly worried about competition. And we are always listening to our customer, and we have, you know, surveys that go out, electronic surveys that go out every day. We're measured every at the end of every month on our customer service levels. I, I, I will admit I'm not working as hard as I did when I was installing modems and running around neighborhoods and just, you know, a completely frenzied life. Well, if nothing else, technology's helped you a little bit. Oh yeah, like I don't have to, you know, we were we were writing technology. We were we wrote we gave you a disk. So I had to, I was 100% responsible for that interface. Now, I mean, developing for the web is just, like, easy. Yeah, yeah. What it was, where we had to write a Macintosh version, a Windows version. My first version was DOS, then I did a new Windows version, and then I did a Mac version, then I did an additional Windows Mac version, and then finally we were able to, you know, have a, a browser. Because, you know, in the beginning days, our interface was very sophisticated, like Quicken, and so we couldn't use the first versions of the browsers. They weren't good enough to, oh, to replicate okay. our experience. So it wasn't until the really till I felt really comfortable when that sort of 3.0 browser came out. Anyway, yeah. it, I never sit back and think, take it easy. 
if you think back, can are there a couple of specific mistakes that you made that you can land on when you think about it? Looking back on that 17 years, are there some mistakes that you guys made that stand out in your mind? You know, the, I would say the biggest mistake is that we were too early. I can't change that really. And, you know, I wish we'd diversified into other things. Basically, you know, we were so, we were just so struggling to make Peapod work. Meanwhile, I saw all these other, you know, businesses flying around that we could have done easily. I mean, uh-huh. we were in hosting already. I mean, we were hosting from day one. I okay. never took that and turned it into a hosting business, which we could sell. You know, we had online interfaces for everything. We could have sold books once we realized that books was a good thing or anything yeah, except else. Except your mom said you couldn't do that. So Right, except for my mother. <laughs> but, but it's really, really hard once you're in one business yeah. to diversify into others. Let me ask you about the, the survival thing. Obviously, you 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 went through one of the hardest periods in in the, well in the short history of the industry. What yeah. what what were the conversations with you and Andrew like in those days? I mean, did you have the did you have some doomsday conversations? Well, I'll tell you when that that CEO quit. That was about as dark as it gets because you know we had just finished ten years of building this business and you know neither of us had any money. And so we were sitting there looking at each other thinking, what are we going to do? The one thing we had was we did have 10 years of culture okay. that we had built in this company. And the employees weren't so, weren't so quick to leave. You know, we asked them to stick it out with us, and they did. And I think that wouldn't happen with a lot of younger companies. No, or if no, you no. hadn't focused on your employees, they would have just been gone. I really think we got through that as a company because of the people. And then for my brother and me, we had no, there was no giving up. You, you had always the responsibility of investors and customers. And, and, you just and employees. Give up. Uh, and employees. Oh, yeah, absolutely employees. So yeah. it's, um, it's a huge weight at times like that. But, you know, that's what sort of keeps you going. That's it. Thank you for joining us for another edition of Practical E-Commerce Podcast. Log on soon for additional podcasts about uh, professionals in the e-commerce world. We appreciate you joining us.